Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, June 13th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we recap kind of an up-and-down weekend of Orioles baseball as the O's split a four-game series in Kansas City against the Royals. Now, specifically, we'll be taking a look at the final three games of the series, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, in which the O's did take two out of the final three, including winning the final two in the series. And I'll get you my three big takeaways from the weekend of Orioles baseball, starting with the starting pitchers finally getting back on track. That's Tyler Wells and Dean Kramer kind of riding the ship for the O's. Then we'll talk about Richie Martin making his 2022 debut for the Orioles and really performing well in his two games. And then finally, we talk about Adley Rutschman, who on Saturday finally had his breakout game in the big leagues. We'll cover all that more as we recap the weekend series against the Royals coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we're talking Orioles and Royals, a four-game series in Kansas City, which the two teams end up splitting. Royals win the first two Thursday and Friday, taking the Thursday game 7-5, to five, which we recapped on Friday's episode. Make sure to go back and listen to that one. So we won't really touch on Thursday night here on this podcast, but... Royals came back and won again 8-1 on Friday night, but the Orioles turned things around, winning 6-4 on Saturday, then winning the series finale 10-7 on Sunday to split the four-game set. And the Orioles are now 26-35 on the season, on pace for 69 wins this year, which, first of all, is nice. And second of all, pretty good improvement from what they did win last year, which was 52 games. A 17-game improvement, I would definitely take that for the Orioles this year. But I've got my three big takeaways from the weekend for the Orioles coming up on this episode, which is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And before we get started, just want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Of course, we're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. If you do listen somewhere like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if you could leave a five-star rating and a review on those apps, that really helps out the pod a lot. And of course, we're here on YouTube as well. Make sure to subscribe to the Locked on Orioles page on YouTube. If you're watching now, leave a comment. Let me know what you think about the O's, about the episode. Make sure to like the videos as well. And, uh, you know, we're creeping up on 500 YouTube subscribers here, trying to get to that number. And that's all thanks to you, the listeners. So thanks again for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, well... Let's recap a weekend series for the O's, specifically the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games, Orioles and Royals. Let's start with my first big takeaway from the weekend is that the starters, at least on Saturday and Sunday, got the O's starting pitching kind of back on track because on Friday night, the Orioles suffered another bad start. Bruce Zimmerman got shelled once again. He allowed seven runs on 10 hits over four and two thirds innings on Friday night, allowed another two homers, two Ks and no walks, but 
It was just not good for Bruce continuing his struggles. Now, Andy Koska did have a really good piece on Saturday in the Baltimore Sun that you should go check out about how Bruce Zimmerman is making some mechanical changes because he felt like he was tipping his pitches. So he's kind of changed where he sets up his hands uh, when he goes into the set. And he said it's kind of a work in progress. He's continuing to work on it. So hopefully things get better for Bruce. But we're not really going to touch on, on Bruce's start much more. We'll get into Bruce's struggles later this week here on the pod. But I want to go to Saturday because after Bruce had that bad start, Orioles lose the Friday game 8-1. to They had had nine consecutive games without a quality start. Their last quality start before that was May 31st, Monday, May 31st in Boston when the Orioles finished up that five-game series with a 10-0 win over the Red Sox and Tyler Wells went six scoreless innings in that game. That was their last quality start. They had gone nine straight games without one. Well, Tyler Wells stopped the streak on Saturday in the 0-6-4 win. He goes six innings, allowing three runs on five hits. So yeah, just barely a quality start. You need six innings. You need three earned runs or less. He did exactly that. Six innings, three earned runs. Allowing five hits, struck out four, walked two, and threw 84 pitches on the day. Wells was hit hard five times in that one. And to be honest, you know, two walks and a start was kind of weird for Tyler Wells. He actually walked two in one inning in that start, which is very odd for him, but settled down, found the strike zone. After that, and listen, this was not Tyler Wells' best start by any means. He only got eight whiffs. He did get four of them on the slider, which was once again his best pitch on Saturday, but his stuff wasn't playing up to its best. You know, the fastball got hit around. Changeup looked pretty good. Only threw it 10 times, but when he threw that changeup, uh, it looked like a solid secondary pitch for Wells. Got one swing and miss. He was really dropping that changeup into the strike zone more often than he usually does. But at the end of the day, you know, when Tyler Wells, who has good stuff, doesn't have his best stuff, he still grinded out a quality start, and that's the reason why the O's won this game. And yes, they get the big hit, the three-run homer in the six from Tyler Nevin uh, that puts them up four to three at that time, and then they add on those additional runs, and Jorge Lopez gets the save, and everybody chipped in to get that first win in Kansas City. But the O's were getting some bad starts for nine straight games, and it was huge for Tyler Wells to go out there and do that. And you know, he's going to continue to build on that because right now, you know, Bruce Zimmerman was so, so good for the O's in his first seven starts of the year. But his last seven starts have been bad. And easily at the beginning of the year, you would have said, John Means is the O's best pitcher. Then as soon as John Means gets Tommy John, you say, well, Bruce Zimmerman is the Orioles' best starting pitcher. There was a while there where you would have said it's Jordan Lyles. But right now, Tyler Wells, I think you can definitively say, is currently the Baltimore Orioles' best starting pitcher. And he showed that once again on Saturday, which was big. So the O's didn't start a streak of quality starts because they did not get one on Sunday from Dean Kramer, but they won the game and Kramer was still impressive despite not getting a quality start. Now for Dean Kramer, just his second start of the season, of course he pitched last Sunday at home for his 2022 debut after suffering that oblique injury opening weekend against the Rays while he was warming up in the bullpen and gave up three runs over four and a third in that one, a three run shot in the first and then settled in. And this one, you know, things got, a little better. Dean Kramer, he pitches into the sixth inning. Now, did not record an out in the sixth. He should have, if not for an error, but goes five plus innings, allowing two runs, just one earned on four hits, strikes out two and walks through two. Kramer throws 80 pitches and there's seven hard hit balls against him, but it was a very odd start for Dean Kramer on Sunday. Like, he pitched into the sixth. He kept the pitch count down. I mean, if Richie Martin fields a grounder and makes a cleaner play, in the sixth inning, maybe as a double play. Dean Kramer, you could have argued, was kind of close to getting through six innings in this game and, and may have had a quality start, made it back-to-back -back for the Orioles. 
but the O's don't make the play. Couple runs score. They end up get out, getting out of the inning. Aiken ends up relieving Kramer in that sixth. But you look at the line, you go, he pitches into the sixth, you give up one earned run, you'll take that. He was just very erratic on the day. And, and, and you'll get what I mean if you watched his start. There'd be times where he'd try to throw a changeup. There was one point where he tried to throw a changeup and it slipped out of his hand so bad that it flew over Bobby Witt Jr.'s head by like two feet and went all the way to the backstop in the air. And then he dot a cutter on the outside corner for a strike. And it's not like the changeup was the one pitch, oh, he couldn't throw it. Like he was still able to throw the changeup for strikes at time to time. It did not have good command at all, but it wasn't like he completely lost it. And there were even other pitches, like the fastball a couple of times. He just airmailed a couple of fastballs too. But then times he was able to, to command that pitch in the strike zone. So it was just a very erratic game by Kramer. But that kind of brings me to the point that it was impressive that he got through five innings and could have gotten through six. I mean, you know, he clearly relied on the fastballs. It was it was 80 pitches. He threw 43 four-seamers, 20 cutters, and then just nine change-ups and eight curveballs on the day. Remember, that curveball used to be kind of the go-to pitch for Dean Kramer. In each of his first two starts, it's been his least-used pitch of his four-pitch mix. But to be that erratic... And again, Kansas City Royals lineup, not at all one of the best in baseball. But to be that erratic and still get through five where you were pretty close to getting through six, I'll take that in your second start of the year from Dean Kramer when the Orioles just need some starting pitching right now. They need Dean Kramer to step up after a really, really rough 2021 season and then a really unfortunate injury that kept him out for the first two months this year. That is a really good sign from Kramer. And the bullpen let the Royals back into that game on Sunday but still got the victory, and it was nice to see Dean uh, get a win on the board in 2022. But Dean Kramer and Tyler Wells, good starts over the weekend, but weren't the only young players who made a good impression on the Orioles. In fact, speaking of a 2022 debut, it was Richie Martin who made a great impression for the O's this weekend as he got called up because of an injury. But we'll talk about what Martin did and what his future with the O's could be and why it looks a little more positive coming up here in just a second. But first... Our next partner has a product I use literally every day, and that's Athletic Greens. Now, I started taking AG1 because, you know, I want to have better gut health, which I've struggled with, wanted more energy, wanted an optimized immune system as well. You heard me all of last week. Didn't have a lot of voice if you listen to the pod. AG1 can, can help with that. And so you might ask, which is what I asked at the beginning too, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, whatever it may be, AG1 fits your lifestyle. And it costs you less than $3 a day. And you're investing in your health. And it's got so many testimonies. You don't have to just take it from me. Athletic Greens is over 7,000 five-star reviews. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
So we're talking Orioles and Royals as they split a four-game series. Got my three big takeaways from the weekend. I'll get to my second big takeaway having to do with Richie Martin in just a second. But first, got to tell you about something else going on here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I know many of you, if not all of you, are baseball fans, but I know a lot of you are basketball fans as well. And the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft starts June 16th. With over 50 insiders, nothing equals the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board Draft Experts plus the Odyssey Insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. So we're talking Richie Martin and the Orioles. As, listen, here's a stat for you. Here's your stat of the day on Locked On Orioles. The Orioles are undefeated in 2022 with Richie Martin in the lineup. That's because, well, they were kind of forced to call him up on Saturday. Ramon Arias, who was originally in the lineup on Friday night for the Orioles, was scratched late from the lineup. Turns out after the game, he felt some more oblique soreness uh, while taking BP. Remember, he had a bit of an oblique issue earlier this year, back in April. Never went on the IL, missed about three or four games, didn't have an IL stint, and came back. He said it's not the exact same part of his body, but it's close to it with that oblique. So this time they just said, let's shut him down, go to the 10-day IL, and uh, reevaluate after that. So Ramon Arias, who was swinging a hotter bat recently, is on the injured list. So the O's needed an infielder. And of course, earlier this week, they had DFA'd Chris Owings. The Orioles officially released Chris Owings on Sunday, so he is out of the organization. So they had to go to AAA Norfolk to find an infielder. And, you know, a guy who's been up earlier this year in Ryland Bannon could have been the choice. But the Orioles went with Richie Martin because, frankly, he's been having a really good year at AAA. Now, we know Martin since 2019 when the Orioles brought him over in the first overall pick of the Rule 5 draft from the Oakland Athletics, former first-round pick who had a lot of promise, but the bat just never came around. And the O's held on to him. They kept him in the big leagues for the entirety of 2019, played you know most of the year as the O's starting shortstop, was horrendous in the first half offensively, but was above average as a hitter in the second half in 2019. But then he, you know, breaks his wrist in summer camp in 2020, misses all of the short in 2020 season, starts the year in AAA last year, has another wrist injury, misses a big chunk of the year, does come up to the bigs near the end of the season, but never really was able to, to gain a big role on last year's team. And then once again, you know, he had a great spring training, if you remember this year for the O's, but just missed out on making the team. Really, it was Chris Owings who made the team over Richie Martin. Still can't understand that one. But Martin had to spend the first two months of the year in AAA, and all he did was hit. And, you know, his numbers in AAA this year, 41 games for the Tides in 186 plate appearances for Martin. He hit 294 with a 382 on base and 442 slugging. Now, he had only one home run. We know he's not a power hitter, but 13 doubles. And, yeah, he struck out a, a good amount, you know, 41 Ks in 41 games, just 17 walks. But... You know, he played a pretty good shortstop, played some second base, also played some outfield, which the Orioles tried to get him to do some last year. And he was also 17 for 19 stealing bases as well. So he was showing a lot of parts of his game. And the O's said, you know what? Without Chris Owings, it would be nice to have another guy who's mainly a shortstop, which is what Martin is, you know, to go along with Jorge Mateo, especially because, you know, Ramon Arias without Chris Owings is the number two shortstop. And so with Arias on the IL and Owings DFA'd, the O's really only had one guy who seriously can play short on the roster, and that's Jorge Mateo. So you basically have to bring up someone who can play short. And because Ryland Bannon really can't play shortstop, 
it was kind of a no-brainer to go to Richie Martin because Taron Vavra not quite ready to go yet, still kind of rehabbing, although he is back in AAA after that injury. So they go to Martin, and here you are. You're in the lineup on Saturday. You get called up. Not only that, you're making your first career start in the big leagues at second base because Mateo got the start at shortstop. And Martin had a pretty good day on Saturday. He goes one for four with a single, but he had three hard-hit balls, hit a ball 104, hit one at 99, hit one at 97, did strike out once, but it was pretty nice to see him, you know, lace a ball in the center field past the shortstop for a base hit, hit a couple. He had two lineouts as well that he hit right on the nose. And you're thinking, hey, you know, nice little debut for Richie Martin. Then all of a sudden on Sunday, well, his bat looked good. You give Jorge Mateo Sunday off, and you start Martin at shortstop in the Sunday game. And Richie Martin, I mean, he probably had the best single game of his big league career in terms of offensive performance on Sunday. Martin goes three for five with two triples, two RBIs, did strike out once, but he scored three runs. He had three hard hit balls once again, hit a ball 100.6, hit a ball at 99.7, hit a ball at 98, and even hit a ball at 92.8. His one non-hard hit ball on the day was still just shy of 95. He was smoking the baseball this weekend. So he ends the weekend with a four for nine with six hard hit balls, two triples, and and really a huge triple in the game on Sunday. I mean, it was a two-run triple in the seventh that that made it a 9-3 to game, and the Orioles really needed those two extra runs. They ended up being the winning runs because it was 7-3 to when he hit it, then 9-3, to and the Royals ended up scoring seven runs by the end of the game. And, you know, he did make an error uh, that kind of cost Dean Kramer a bit in the sixth inning of the Sunday game playing shortstop, but he made some really good plays at both positions. He made a great play Saturday at second base that actually ended the game on a ground ball up the middle, kind of shaded back towards shallow center field, gloved it with a backhand and and threw, uh, kind of fading away from the bag, made a really strong throw to first that got the final out of the game for the O's for that 6-4 win on Saturday and, you know, made some nice plays at short on Sunday. And you're looking at Richie Martin, you're going, yeah, okay, it's a a two-game sample size. We're going to need to see a lot more, and we'll get to see him more throughout this week as Arias stays on the injured list. But you're starting to think, first of all, why in the world was Chris Owings on this team all year over Richie Martin? I'm not a big Richie Martin fan. I've said this on the pod many times. I don't think his bat's going to play in the big leagues. It certainly played this weekend. And I still stick to that. I don't think long-term his bat plays in the big leagues. But, and I was even on opening day, kind of agreeing with Owings over Martin. But after you see Chris Owings for the first three weeks to a month of the season, you got to make that move to bring up Martin. And I just don't understand why that didn't happen. But I digress, especially since Martin can play short, can play second, can play the outfield. He's versatile. Oh, well. Anyway, you know, I don't think Martin's going to hit like this. I don't think he's had a bunch of three-hit games. I don't think he's going to have a bunch of stretches where he has three hard-hit balls every single game. Royals pitching isn't exactly great. But at the end of the day, this was an impressive two-game stretch. And he's not going to play every day because you still got, you know, Odor at second and Nevin at third and Mateo at shortstop. So... Martin's kind of filtering in among those guys where he can. But if he keeps hitting like this, you know, when Arias comes back, he's not going to take Arias' spot. But there's going to be a tough decision to make because, you know, Tyler Nevin's playing well, hit that big three-run homer, he stays on the team. But, you know, Jorge Mateo has been elite defensively. He's stealing all these bases. But he's not hitting right now. And Martin steals bases. Martin plays good defense. 
and Martin's hitting. And if he keeps hitting, there could be an interesting conversation to be had. But that's for down the road right now. Just happy for Richie Martin, really, that he had this good of a weekend. And we'll continue to see him as the O's go to Toronto. But we got one more big takeaway from the weekend coming up, and it has to do with Adley Rutschman, who finally, on Saturday, well, he overshadowed Richie Martin because he finally had his breakout game in the bigs. We'll talk about that coming up in just a second. But first, let's talk about betonline.net, which is your number one source for all your betting stats and your sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup. Celtics, Warriors, tied it to pivotal game five tonight. How about the NHL, Stanley Cup Finals? We know who it's going to be now. It's the Lightning and the Avalanche. One of the most just exciting Stanley Cup Finals I can remember in a while. These two teams are absolutely ridiculously talented. I cannot wait for the Stanley Cup Finals. Of course, we got Major League Baseball and the latest fighting news from MMA to UFC and boxing. And BetOnline is your covered source and your continued source for all your sports wagering info, including live betting, even esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. So we finish up with my third and final big takeaway from the Orioles weekend, where they split a four-game series with the Kansas City Royals, winning the final two games of the weekend. And the final big takeaway is that everybody can sigh, sigh of relief, wipe the sweat off the brow. Adley Rutschman finally had his breakout game in the big leagues. And he had been struggling pretty mightily. Been hitting under 200. At-bats looking solid, but the hit's not falling. Well, that all changed on Saturday. And really, remember, it started on Friday. He had a double in Friday's game, one for three with a double, hit the ball hard. And, you know, listen, I get that he went 0 for 4 with three Ks and a walk on Sunday. He didn't really follow it up Sunday with another good game. That's okay. That's okay. Saturday was so good that nothing else matters. Adley Rutschman on Saturday in the Orioles 6-4 win. Three for four, two doubles, two runs scored, four hard hit balls, and scored from third on a wild pitch, evading a tag on a flip to home that beat him to the plate. The ball beat him by a good five, six, seven feet, slid under a tag for a huge insurance run for the O's late in the game. Here's the exit velocities for Adley Rutschman. 110, that's his hardest in his big league career. 108, 106.2, and 95.3. He was smoking the baseball. Even the one out in the three for four was a 106-mile-per-hour laser to center field that Michael A. Taylor made a nice catch on, kind of hit it right to him as well. Adley hit it hard from the left side, hit it hard from the right side. Remember, in Saturday's game, the Kansas City pitcher was Daniel Lynch, a left-hander, and Adley smoked him three different times from the right side of the plate and then smoked one from the left side of the plate later in the game as well. It was fun to watch. You know, he continued to catch well. He, he was behind the dish Friday and Sunday, DH'd in the Saturday game. And that was kind of you know, the other cool point of this as well is you know, he really got to focus on the bat on Saturday because, you know, after catching Friday, catching Sunday, he was the DH Saturday when he had the three for four day. So didn't have to worry about catching, just was focused on hitting all day. And it worked out with a three for four. I mean, the bat speed he showed really in the Friday and Saturday games, including the double on Friday night, was just ridiculous. And we know he has great bat speed and awesome swing from both sides of the plate. 
it was just great to see because he's had a great approach. You know, he's leading all MLB qualified rookies in pitches for plate appearance this year. He's still seeing a lot of pitches. He's seeing his strike zone well. At the end of the day, it all finally paid off in Saturday's game. And I get that he went 0 for 4 with 3Ks the next day, but he did draw a walk. We're going to see more games like Saturday than games like Sunday moving forward. And I can't wait to see more of it as this is the start of the turnaround. We talked about how Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez, the other two top prospects in baseball, were really, really struggling over their first 15 games or so. Then they broke out. Now Julio is one of the best hitters in baseball. We saw Bobby Witt this weekend. He's now solid. I think that's coming for Adley, and I think he's getting more towards the Julio Rodriguez where he's going to be the best hitter in the O's lineup maybe a month from now. But uh, really fun to see Adley finally break it out and help the O's to uh, win in the final two games of that series in Kansas City. But Orioles baseball does not stop as they leave KC, and they will head north of the border starting tonight for a four-game series against the Toronto Blue Jays. Somehow, someway, it's June 13th, and the Orioles will be playing the Blue Jays for the first time this season in Toronto. Kind of a weird scheduling quirk, but that's where we are. So that means, as we know with the new rules this year in Major League Baseball, unvaccinated players are not able to travel to Toronto to play in these games. There was an exemption for Major League Baseball players last year that allowed unvaccinated guys to still travel to Toronto for 2021 games when the Blue Jays finally got back to Toronto late in the year. But we're going to find out who on the Orioles is not vaccinated because the Orioles are going to place... It looks like at least two players on the restricted list prior to Monday's game. Those guys will not travel to Toronto with the team, and they are able to be replaced on the roster, but they won't be playing in this pretty important four-game series against the Blue Jays. And, you know, we heard Brandon Hyde talk about it late in the week, last week, and he basically said that they're expecting more than one player. He said expecting multiple players to not travel. And, you know, most of us obviously have some sort of idea of who one or two of those players could be. But one thing we do know is who the O's are going to be traveling with as extra players. Now, not all of these guys are going to be activated, but the Orioles added four players to their taxi squad in Kansas City on Sunday because you had to get the players to KC on Sunday to be with the team so they could all then go to Toronto together and cross the border into Canada. So the four players they added were two pitchers, Mike Bauman, who we've obviously seen multiple times this year, top 10 O's prospect, has struggled a little bit in AAA recently, but we've seen some flashes at the big league level. Rico Garcia, who is finally fully healthy after Tommy John surgery. Uh, he was in the big leagues with the Giants a couple years ago. O's signed him to a minor league deal this offseason, been rehabbing for the first two months, finally back and good to go. Anthony Bemboom is there. Now, that does not mean that either Robinson Chirinos or Adley Rutschman are unvaccinated. If you have a taxi squad, per MLB rules, you have to have a catcher with you on the taxi squad, no matter what. Now, the O's have traveled with Bo Taylor most of the time this year. They've chosen Ben Boom this time. I don't think it really means anything, hopefully not towards Chirinos or Rutschman's vaccination status, but Ben Boom coming does not mean that a catcher is definitely unvaccinated. It just means when you have a taxi squad, you always have to include a catcher, so it will be Ben Boom. And then the most exciting name is Kyle Stowers, who will be traveling with the Orioles to Toronto. Now, again, we don't know if any of these four players will be on the active roster. They'll be with the O's, they'll be on the taxi squad, but they're not necessarily on the active roster for these four games. 
but Stowers will be traveling. So what that makes you realize is that the O's aren't going to put a top prospect in Kyle Stowers on the taxi squad unless they think they're going to need to use him, which tells me that an outfielder is probably unvaccinated. And from what we learned last year, there is a potential that it could be Anthony Santander because he had some issues with vaccination status last year when he was going on the COVID IL for being a close contact and how long he was on that list. Again, we don't know who it could be, but it tells me that the O's do seem to think that one of their outfielders will not be going to Toronto. And the fact that Bauman and Garcia are there makes me think definitely at least one pitcher, potentially two pitchers, are not going to be in Toronto. Now, one thing we do know is that the Orioles have named their four starters for the week in Zimmerman and Bradish and Jordan Lyles and Tyler Wells. So we know the whole starting rotation doesn't have to worry about it. Obviously, Dean Kramer as well, uh, but he pitched Sunday, so he won't pitch in this series. So it looks like probably one, maybe two relievers will not be with the Orioles as well. Of course, we'll find out who that is. It's it's unfortunate. It's disappointing that players are still not vaccinated from COVID-19 at this point. Um, you're not just letting down, obviously, the health of yourself and those around you, but you're letting down your teammates because you're not getting to travel for these divisional games for a four-game series. And it's obviously the extra layer if you have multiple immunocompromised players in the clubhouse, Trey Mancini and Cedric Mullins and immunocompromised family members. Of course, we heard the great stories of of Jorge Lopez's son being able to watch him pitch the last couple of weeks. Just disappointing that there's going to be players, but we'll address it on tomorrow's episode. It looks like the way Brandon Hyde said, it's going to be at least two players who won't be traveling with the Orioles to Toronto. And we come back tomorrow. We'll talk about who those players were. We'll recap game one of the series between the O's and the Blue Jays. And get you all the O's news and analysis you need right here on the pod. Coming up again tomorrow. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.